Thank you for listening to this sermon by Destination Church. Due to some technical difficulties, the actual sermon audio is not available. So what you're about to hear is a rehearsal or a re-recording of what was preached on this Sunday. We make all of our resources available because we hope they have a huge impact on your life and show you how much you matter to Jesus and to our church. If your life has been impacted through our ministry, we encourage you to share your story with us by sending an email to hello at destinationchurch.cc. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning and hello, Destination Church. I'm so glad that you guys are here today, and I am excited for this service. Uh, Hey, if you're visiting with us today, if this is your very first time uh, with us, I got a few things that I want to say. First of all, and this this actually kind of applies to everybody, uh, I don't normally preach. Uh, Our lead pastor, Ricky Mosel, that's your guy, but uh, every every once in a while, once a month or so, uh, they still give me a microphone, so uh, still trying to figure that one out, but but I'll go with it and seize that opportunity. So uh, secondly, I I am so glad that you are here, and uh, we appreciate you. Appreciate you taking time at your schedule to come visit with us. And uh, and lastly, and they don't pay me to say this, I genuinely want to meet you. I want to get to know you. I want to answer any questions that you've got here, any comments that you have, anything like that. I want to get to know you. And, uh, and the way that we can do that is through the green room. So if you're visiting with us today, or if you brought somebody new, um, or if you just haven't been up there. Um, Yet, uh, we hope that you'll stop by the green room and uh, our core leadership team will be up there and you kind of already heard uh, Pastor Ricky say some things about that. So I hope that you'll stop by there. Well, if you brought a Bible with you today, go ahead and go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we are going to be camping out for most of the sermon. And so uh, as you're going there, we're actually going to start in verse 42. So if you want to go ahead and put your finger on that, it's going to be a while before we get there. So just going to go ahead and warn you on that. Um, You can kind of close that and put it to the side. We'll get there eventually. Um, While you're going there, let me kind of set up what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Uh, We have been in a sermon series that we called Chase What Matters. And basically, our heart behind this series is that uh, we wanted to come right out of the gate as our very first series and tell everyone what matters to us as a church. And kind of the, the line that we've been saying every week throughout this series that we hope you'll kind of walk away with um, is this, this statement right here. You won't chase after something you don't have a heart for. You won't chase after something you don't have a heart for. And if you have a heart for something... If you really have a heart for it, you're going to chase after it. And and the example that I keep going back to in my head, and I'm not really a a football guy, but this is the best example that I can think of, um, is like football players. You know, the dude with the ball, the quarterback, he's got a heart to score a touchdown, and so he's going to chase after that. And whether that comes in the form of giving the ball to somebody more qualified or just following through on a plan that you might not like, he's got a heart for scoring a touchdown, and he's going to chase after that. And the defensive players have a heart for him not scoring a touchdown. And so they are literally going to chase after the dude with the ball to try to get him to not score the touchdown because that's what they've got a heart for. So you chase after something that you've got a heart for. And if you don't have a heart for something, you won't chase after it. So this series is about things that we have a heart for at Destination Church. And so the very first week, just to kind of review, we talked about how we have a heart for you how you matter at Destination Church. And our goal, and we're going to say it every week, is to lead people to Jesus by showing them that they matter. And last week, Ricky came out and did a great job talking about um, why kids matter at Destination Church and uh, how kids are the upcoming generation. He showed us the role that we can play in impacting a child's life because kids matter at Destination Church. And the title of today's sermon, week number three, is this. 
community matters. Community matters. We have a heart for community at Destination Church. And I hope that by the end of this sermon, you will see what community looks like to our church and uh, see why it matters to us. And I hope that you will uh, be interested in the role that you can play in living out biblical community at Destination Church. So let me pray one more time, and then we'll dive into this thing. Jesus, thank you for this sermon. Amen. Uh, When I was in college, my freshman year, um, I decided to do a little experiment. And I wanted to find out uh, what the, the, the most repeated words or phrases on campus on any given day were. And so I spent a few months uh, just kind of paying attention to what people were saying and making little mental notes of it. And I pretty much boiled it down to the top three words or phrases that I heard on campus on any given day. Keep in mind, this was a Christian school. So, uh, uh, you know, at other schools, these statements probably would be a lot different. But, but for my school, this is, this is what it was, top three statements. So number three, the number three most heard statement on campus was, was this. Hey, do you have any blank Or, hey, do you have a blank, right? Do you have a pencil? Do you have a pen? Do you have some paper? You know, they go into your apartment. Do you have any salt, any napkins, any plates, any pillows, a bed to sleep on? I need anything you can give me. How do you not? You're in college, okay? So anyway, so so do you have any blank? Um, Number two most heard phrase was, uh, where's my keys, right? Where's my keys? Somehow, some way, Every single day on campus, every single person lost their keys. I don't know how it happened, but it just didn't. I don't know if that's the same for if you were in college. I don't know. Um, so, so everybody lost their keys. Where's my keys? Uh, but the number one most repeated word on that campus on any given day, community. Community. Of course it was. It was a Christian school. And Christians love the word Community, but they love they love to take the word community and use it in every possible way that they can think of. Because we talked about how, like, like on campus, we were talking about how we we lived in a community, right? We didn't even call them the dorms; they were the living community. So we lived in a community, but we also were a community. But we also did community. They were like, we've got to do community. I don't know how you do it, but, but, but so like we lived in it. We were a community. We did community. The church was a community. We had our bigger community, but then God was a community within himself, but then we're created in God's image, so we are a community. So it's just oh, it's like community everywhere. It was just community overload for me. And when I left that campus, I, I wasn't thinking... I love community. Just to be totally honest with you, I wasn't thinking community mattered. I was thinking, what on earth is community? And because I had no idea what community really meant biblically, I had no idea why it should have mattered to me. And so one of the biggest things that I hope that you'll get in this sermon is is what community is. Because if I can show you what community is biblically, my prayer is that you will begin to see why it truly matters to us as a church and why we have a heart for that and why it should truly matter to you if you're a Christian. And as you begin to see why it should matter to you, my hope is that you'll begin to wonder how you can get involved and uh, how you can chase after biblical community at Destination Church. So here's where we're going to start. I want to go ahead and give you uh, the big idea right up front. Right? We never want you to leave a sermon at Destination Church wondering what on earth it was about. So I want to go ahead and give you the main idea right up front. And if you don't remember anything else that I say throughout the sermon, I hope that you'll remember this line right here. God's goal for the church has always been to create a community 
that cares for the community. God's goal for the church has always been to create a community. So that's our church, right? We are creating a community here that then goes out and cares for the community. That is why God created the church. So if you're sitting here and you're wondering, why should I even want to get involved in community? It's because that's what God created you for. We were created to live in community with other Christians. If you're a Christian, that is your purpose or one of them. So you were created to live in community. And when you begin to truly live in community, something is filled up inside of you that you can't get anywhere else. You're satisfied in a way that you're not going to get from the rest of the world. We were created to live in community. And God's intention for the church has always been to create a community that cares the community. I'm going to show you where I get this idea, okay? Because I didn't, I didn't just make this up. I found it in the book of Acts chapter 2. Okay? I told you we're going to get there. So Acts chapter 2, um, here, here's why I picked that passage of scripture for kind of this, uh, the, the theme verse of today's sermon. If you don't know anything about the book of Acts, uh, basically the book of Acts is a history of the early church. So it's, it's how the church got started. It's kind of our heritage, I guess. Um, so in the early parts of the book of Acts, in the second chapter, we begin to see the church forming, and we begin to see a culture form, and we, we begin to see uh, what I find to be the best picture of biblical community uh, that I can find in the New Testament, and it's Acts chapter 2. So it's kind of a picture of that. So I'm going to read through uh, verses 42 through 47 and, and just kind of show you where I got this idea that God's intention for the church was to create a community that cared for the community. So here we go. Talking about the people in the church, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in this piece of scripture we see that God was creating a community that didn't just exist for themselves, but they were a community that cared for the outside community. Because we see in, in these verses, um, we see in places like, uh, like in verse 43, it, it says that all who believed were together. And then in verse 46, it says that they were attending the temple together and they were breaking bread in their homes and they had glad and generous hearts. Right? Doesn't that seem like a beautiful picture of community? Like people just being together and they're glad and they're laughing and they're sharing things and they're sharing beliefs and they're sharing authority and teachings and they're together and they love each other. That is biblical community. But they didn't just exist for themselves, right? Their goal wasn't just to get closer with the people that they knew. They actually wanted to go outside of their walls and care for the outside community. Because we see uh, further on in the passage of Scripture, we see like in verse 45, it says that they were, uh, they were selling their possessions and they were distributing the proceeds to all. So not just all in the church, they were selling their possessions and giving the proceeds to everyone. And that's why in verse 47, this is a fun one, it says that they had favor with all the people. Right? Imagine that. 
Imagine if the people outside the church actually liked the people inside the church. It's because they weren't existing for themselves. And in verse 47, again, we see that God was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That is what happens when we begin to live in biblical community and care for the outside community. And here's why this is so huge for you to understand, because this has implications for your life if you're here. This means that the church does not exist for itself, right? We don't exist to promote Destination Church. We don't exist to promote our, our, our speakers or our band. We don't exist to promote those things. We exist to promote Jesus. And so the church does not exist for themselves. And the reason that has huge implications for your life personally is this. You may know this, but the church is not a building, okay? Uh, the church is not four walls and the steeple and the chapel and all that. If that's the case, if the church is a building, then we're not a church because we don't really have a building. We meet here. If the church is not a building, the church is the people. And if the church is the people and the church does not exist for themselves, then that means that the people in the church don't exist for themselves. That means that you are not here for you. You are not here in this building, in that seat, for you. Well, James, I thought you wanted me to, you know, I thought you wanted my life to get better. I thought that I mattered here at Destination Church. I thought you wanted me to have a better marriage and, and do better in school and, and what, you know, I thought, and listen, we want all those things for you. We want you to have the best marriage that you can possibly have and the best finances that you can possibly have. We want you to have all of those things. We want the best possible life that you can live. But part of that is understanding that at some point, your life stops being only about you. It stops being about everything that you can receive and receive and receive it starts being about what you can pour out into others through community. The church has always meant to be a community that cared for the community. So the question becomes, how do we do it? Okay. How do we create a community that cares for the community? I'm going to answer that in the form of three ideas. And uh, these are the three points on your outline. These are three ideas that we have to understand in order to create a community that cares for the community. And this is kind of the, the practical part of the message. So the things that you can do. So far, it's kind of just been ideas. But now we'll get to, hey, here's what you can actually do. So point number one is this. We'll go ahead and dive right in. Number one, community lives out the one another's. Community lives out the one another's. And uh, I told you that I would try to define community for you. And uh, this is probably, uh, this is the part where I'm going to try to do that. What are the one another's? Okay, what do I mean by that? Um, the one another's is basically a list of 40 different, about 40, about 40 different instances throughout the New Testament where the authors give instruction on how Christians are supposed to relate to one another in order to live in biblical community. So 40 different times in the New Testament, uh, the authors say for us to blank 
one another, right? Care for one another, love one another, greet one another, things like that. Um, and, and these are the things that we have to do if we want to live in community. If we want to create a community within the church, we've got to begin to live out and understand these one another's. Okay, so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you this list of the 40 different uh, one another's, and don't, don't panic. We're not going to spend forever on it, okay? I'm going to pretty much fly through them, but I just want to kind of give you a taste uh, of what the Bible has has the idea that the Bible has for biblical community, and it happens through um, these one another. So here we go. 17 times in the New Testament, the Bible says for us to love one another, to love one another. That's kind of the all-encompassing, covers everything, you know, how, how we're supposed to relate to one another? Love one another. That's, that covers everything. Uh, five times the Bible says to serve one another. The Bible says to accept one another strengthen one another, to help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another. Uh, here's a weird one. Be interested in one another. Right? Some of you single guys are like, I'll be interested. I'll, I'll. It's not for you, okay? It's, it's not for you. Um, be interested, be accountable to one another, confess to one another, live in harmony with one another, do not be conceited to one another, do not pass judgment to one another, do not slander one another, instruct one another, greet one another, Another, admonish one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, meet with one another, agree with one another, be concerned for one another, be humble to love one another, be compassionate to one another. Oh, these next four are so huge. Uh, it says, do not be consumed by one another, do not be angry with one another, do not lie to one another, and do not grumble to one another. Right? These are huge because here's the, here's the truth. We're never going to all get along, okay? You are never going to like every person sitting in these seats. You might not even like the person next to you. If you're sitting next to your spouse, don't move. Don't look around. Don't twitch. Don't, okay? So, so you, you're not going to like everybody in the room, and, and, and there's a biblical way to handle that. Just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean you lie about them, right? We, we, it says don't be consumed by one another. We don't bite each other's heads off, right? Don't lie about one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't grumble to one another. Stop gossiping. There's a biblical way to handle those things. Uh, it, it says give preference to one another. Be at peace with one another. Here's a fun one. Sing to one another. Let's turn to your neighbor, right? Let's sing him a song right now. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, be of the same mind to one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another. Live at peace with one another and carry one another's burdens. That is the way. That, listen, listen. All Christians are called to live. That is how we create biblical community. So that means, that means we're supposed to greet one another whether or not you're on the greeting team. That means that we're supposed to care for one another and pray for one another, whether or not you're on the care and prayer team. We're supposed to encourage each other and be there for one another. And let me tell you, let me tell you how this happens. Link groups. That's how this gets played out. Link groups are where you get to be accountable to one another, right? That can't happen on a Sunday morning. It just can't. And so if you really want to play a part in creating biblical community, man, join a link group. That's where you get to be accountable. That's where you get to confess. That's really where you get to pray for one another and care for one another. That is where you get to live out your purpose as a human being to live in biblical community. It happens through link groups. 
This is the way that we're called to exist together. So here's the commitment that I can make to you uh, on behalf of our team and um, our owners. Here's what I can promise you. We are never going to get this right. Okay, We're never going to get 40 out of 40. And we're going to strive to, and we're going to do everything in our power to do all of these things to the best of our ability through the power of Jesus. But, but sometimes we're going to mess up. And here's why I say that. Because some of you are so excited right now because you've done it. You found the perfect church. You're here. Congratulations, you found it because you came from that other church where, where they did grumble about you and they, they, they did consume you and they bit your head off and they lied about you and they did this and they did this, but now you're here and now you found a church that's not going to do that. Let me break it to you. We're not the perfect church. Okay? This sermon's not even over yet. We could dissatisfy you by the end of this thing, so give us time, all right? We're going to mess this thing up. Let me just go ahead and let you in on a little secret. You're never going to find the perfect church. You're never going to find it. And, and if you did find the perfect church, upon your arrival, it would cease to be perfect. The church is made up of people, and people are messed up. Okay? People are not perfect, and so we're never going to get this thing right. And We're all in this together. Okay? We're all going to mess this thing up. And so the question then becomes... What do we do? You know? how, how do we cope with the fact that we're never going to get this thing right? Because we've got an issue now. Because we were created to live in biblical community, but people are going to mess up biblical community. So they're going to mess up what we were created for. So how do we cope with the fact that nobody's going to get this thing right? And that leads me to point number two, which is this. Community is a covenant, not a contract. Community is a covenant not a contract. Now, I thought about making uh, this point the, the big idea of the entire sermon, and I decided not to because I wanted to really drill in on this, but um, don't get these reversed. Okay? Please don't show up at church thinking that your relationship to the people here is a contract and not a covenant. So let me show you what that looks like. Let me kind of illustrate to you the difference between uh, a contract and a covenant, because this is how we're going to cope with the fact that we're never going to get this community thing correct. Um, let's talk about your marriage versus your cell phone, okay? And, and if you're not married, uh, well, first of all, if you're not married, my name's James. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Um, so, so if you're not married, you'll still be able to relate to this, by the way. Um, it, it kind of goes for everybody. So, so your marriage versus your cell phone. Um, one of those is a contract, and one of those is a covenant. And I'll go ahead and tell you, your marriage, that's the covenant, okay? Cell phone, that's a contract. No matter what kind of cell phone you've got, whether you've got the iPhone, the Nextel, anybody still got the Nextel, a push-to-talk thing? I never got that. I never understood it. Because people come on there and they're just... Y'all be there in five minutes. What? How did you even understand? What is... Anyway, so, so no matter what kind of cell phone you've got, sorry, I get distracted, um... You signed up for a contract when you signed up for that cell phone plan. You agreed 
to pay that cell phone provider, uh, probably somewhere between twenty and fifty thousand dollars a month for that cell phone, um, <laughs> and in exchange for the money that you pay per month, they are going to provide you with data and minutes and text messages and whatever. So here's the deal with the contract. If at any point in a contract the other person doesn't fulfill their end of the contract, you're not, ex- you're not expected to fulfill your end either. So that means that if you pick up your cell phone right now and it doesn't work, like it's, it's not getting on the internet, it's not sending text messages, not making phone calls, not doing anything, first of all, you're going to flip out, okay, because I'm, I'm going to flip out too, um, because, and I'd want to tweet about the fact that my cell phone's not working, but I couldn't because my cell phone isn't working. But anyway, so, so we're going to flip out, first of all, if our cell phone doesn't work. Uh, number two, we're not paying the bill. Right? You're, you're not paying your cell phone bill if your cell phone doesn't work because they didn't fulfill their end of the contract, and so you're not going to fulfill your end either. And uh, if you don't pay your bill, they're not going to provide you with cell phone service because you didn't fulfill your end, and so they are not going to fulfill their end either. So that's the way a contract works. Now, that's a contract, not a covenant. Right? Let's talk about a marriage. Um, at at every, almost every wedding ceremony, uh, there's a part where uh, it kind of gets everybody all emotional. You know, the bride and the groom, they turn and they face each other and they exchange vows, right? It's the exchanging of the vows and, and usually they start to tear up and everyone in the audience is wiping their eyes and everyone's, oh, oh my gosh, it's so cute. So, so they're, they're doing that whole thing. So imagine with me, uh, you show up to a wedding and it's time for the exchanging of the vows and the bride and the groom and they turn to one another and they make a contract with each other, right? They start to use uh, what we'll call contractual language instead of covenantial language. Now, when I say contractual, I know what you're thinking, okay? We're not talking about women having babies here. That's gross. We're not on that. Um, We're talking about a a contract, okay? Contractual language versus covenantial language. Um, They start to use if, comma, then statements, right? If you do this, then I'll do this. So they turn to each other, and, and one of them is like, I will bring home blank amount of money per year if you promise to wash the cars. Well, I'm not washing the cars unless you cook dinner. Well, I'm not cooking dinner unless you trim the bushes. Well, I'm not trimming the bushes unless you mow the lawn. Well, I'm not mowing the lawn unless you agree to this. Well, I'm not doing this unless you do this. And they start just going back and forth at each other saying, I'm not doing this if you don't do this. They start to make a contract with each other. Here's what I'm going to show you. No one's in the audience going, aww, right? Nobody dreams of that. When you're thinking about your future wedding, you're not dreaming that you're going to turn and look at your future spouse and they're going to make a contract with you. Nobody wants to be in a relationship that's a contract. Nobody. Instead, the bride and the groom turn and look at each other and they make a covenant. They say phrases like, for better or for worse. In sickness and in health, till death do us part. That's a covenant. That is the way that we are called to relate to other people in the church. See, I don't think it's any accident that throughout the New Testament, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. This thing is a covenant. It's not a contract. And that means that even when they don't get it right, We're going to do our part. Even if they don't fulfill their end of the deal, we're doing our part. Because this is not a contract. This is a covenant. And we're doing these things whether other people do or not. 
Endlessly. This is not me trying to manipulate you into sticking around. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, ha ha, you're here now. Now you've made a covenant with us. You have to stick around till death do us part. Right? That's not, I'm not saying that. I, 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 here's what I'm saying. I, I'm not talking about visiting other churches. Right? It's okay to visit other churches to find out one that you and your family is going to fit in. Right? We want you to do that. And, and here's the deal. And we hope that we're that church for you. But if we're not, we get it. We want you to go somewhere, anywhere that you can plug in and make a covenant with those people because of the covenant that Jesus made with you and get plugged in and build a community that cares for the community. That's God's intention for the church, not just this church. Okay? So, so here's what that means for us. Okay? Here's the commitment that we're going to make to you because of the commitment that Jesus made to us. We're going to do these things, the one another's, whether you do or not. We're going to encourage you when you're not encouraging. We're going to care for you when you don't care. We're going to help you when you're not helpful. We are going to make a covenant with the people of this church because you matter. And the reason that I can stand on stage and tell you that is not because I believe that we've got any power within ourselves. Right? We're not that great. The reason that we can say with integrity that we are going to make a covenant with you is because Jesus made a covenant with us. The reason that I can make a covenant with the people in my life that I'm doing these things, whether they do or not, is because Jesus made a covenant with me. When I got saved, Jesus said, for better or for worse, in sickness and health, till death do us part, Jesus is sticking to this thing, whether you are or not. And I am so grateful for that. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have this thing together, okay? I don't have 40 out of 40, right? I don't do the right thing all the time. And because of that, if Jesus hadn't made a covenant with me and said that he's going to do his part even when I don't, I'm done for. Jesus never gave up on me. So we're not giving up on you. And, and let me say this too. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, um, so far I haven't really given a whole lot. Pretty much everything has been for Christians. Let me, let me just talk to you for a minute. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, my hope is that by the end of this sermon, you'll understand that covenant. You will believe that Jesus wants to make a covenant with you. That, that whether you've got everything together or not, Jesus says it doesn't matter. You matter to Jesus. He died for you. He forgave your sins. And if you will repent and turn to him and make him the leader of your life, he will make a covenant with you. It says whether you get it perfect or not, he's doing his part because he loves you. That's the commitment that we're called to make as a church. Number three is this. God's community, God's community, the church, is called to make a covenant with the outside community. So let's, let's think about this as a process now. Okay? We've talked about what community is. So now we know what community is. We know how to do it. We know how to cope with the fact that we're not always going to get it right. So we're committed to this community. We've made a covenant. And now, now that we've built our community and we know how to interact with one another, we are called by God to make a covenant with the people outside of this church that we're going to serve them and that we're going to do our part to do the one another's for them, whether they do it or not. And I want you to know that this is, this is not something that Destination Church has waited to do. You know, 
We haven't been sitting around for the last two years going, I wish we had a place to meet. I wish, I wish we had some more people so we could get out there and serve the community. You know, since, since day one, we've been doing this thing. Okay? Um, so like on, on February 2013 is when we started this whole journey, when Destination Church was born. March 2013, we had a team of about 30 people at Tanger serving at their Easter outreach event uh, just, to, just to show people that they mattered. That's why, they were, that's why we were there. Because we made a covenant with this community. And since then, and listen, I'm not patting myself on the back here. I'm not patting our church on the back. I'm going to show you why I'm telling you this in a minute. We've done 17 different outreach events since then. And we've started at places like Tanger and uh, and Noah's Ark and Habitat for Humanity and uh, Nash Farms. We've been at all these different places serving, showing the community that they matter because that's what Jesus has called us to do. And uh, historically, um, we've taken like 20 to 35 people on these different outreach events, which traditionally has been our whole church. Okay, so, so we've taken our whole church on these events, and with just 25 to 35 people, here's the difference that we've gotten to make. These big organizations, you know, Tanger and, uh, and, and, and Nash Farms and, um, and, and Noah's Ark, and these places, they're starting to realize, and we've heard them tell us this, that, oh my gosh, there's a church out there that's not just out to promote their own agenda. There's a church out there that genuinely cares about people and is going to serve people and make a covenant with people and no matter what. And so that means that we're out there in the hot sun on July the 4th serving people, parking cars, you know, doing things like that because, because we care about the community. We're called to make a covenant. So that happened with 30 people. Now imagine... If a hundred people stepped up and said, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. It might not be easy, it might be uncomfortable, it might be difficult, but I am going to serve the community. Imagine if a hundred people stepped up and said, I'm joining the group. I'm going to join a group. I'm going to go to the website, I'm going to join a group. Or this, is, this is me telling you, join a group, okay? Imagine if a hundred people stood up and we started to live in that biblical community, that Acts chapter 2 community where we're together and we're sharing things, but we're not just in it for ourselves. We're, we're going outside of our walls and caring for people. Listen, it can happen and it's going to have a huge, huge, huge impact. And I implore you to take that step, to take that risk, man. Join a group, sign up for an outreach event, do something. To show that you really want to make a covenant with this outside community. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to close. Let me just say first and foremost, um, you know, I said that God's, God's goal for the church has always been to create a community that cares for the community. But you can't live out God's goal for the church until you live out God's goal for your life personally. And let me tell you this, God wants to know you. And you might think that you know God, but really you just know about God. God, Jesus, okay? Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. And my prayer for you, if you're, if you're here today and you're not saved, or maybe you've been running away from God and you need to recommit your life to Him, my prayer for you is that you will begin to understand right now, in this moment, the covenant that Jesus wants to make with you, that He's willing to stick to this thing because He loves you, and He loved you enough to die for you. And if you'll simply give your life to Him, He can change everything. 
and you'll feel a sense of satisfaction that you can't get anywhere else, and everything will change for you. If that's you today, and you would say, James, I've been running away from God, or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to give your life to Jesus right now, will you just slip up your hand? Okay, no one's looking around. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to see you so I can pray for you more personally. Okay? If you just slip up your hand, you can put it right back down. Amen. For the rest of you here today who, who know that you're a Christian, it's time to step up. It's time to take that next step. And if you really believe that Jesus has made a covenant with you, make a covenant. Here's three things that you can do. First of all, Join a group. Join a group. Join a small group. You know how to do it. Stop by guest services on the way out. Go to the website. Whatever you got to do, join a group. There's something out there for you. Take that step. It might be uncomfortable, but that is the way that we get to live out biblical community. That's how the one another's happen. And it's a sense of fulfillment that you can't get anywhere else. Join a group. Secondly, become an owner. Right. Ownership's coming up in just a couple weeks. Here at Destination Church, we don't have members. Okay, we have owners. We always say that uh, members have rights. So, like, you know, things that we're entitled to if you're a member, but owners have responsibilities. Things that you've got to do. That's the one another. So, I encourage you, join ownership, make a covenant with our church, or thirdly, just sign up for an outreach event. Right? I think we just did something about Habitat for Humanity just happened, or that's coming up. Um, we've got Easter outreach events that are going to happen through the groups. So um, they, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, and, uh, and you can sign up for one of those by going to our website as well. So let me pray for you, and as I pray, I hope that you'll think about the next step uh, that you're going to take today as we close.